You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 139, we started last week and uh, we talked about the omniscience of God. God knows everything. We talked about the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere at the same time. We, we can't comprehend that. Uh, it sounds good to be able to be in two places at one time or maybe to be three places at one time. God is everywhere at the same time. And uh, I'm glad that you don't have to wait to, to meet God to come to church. You can meet with God at your home and in your car. And you can meet with God because He is available. We talked about the omnipotence, the almighty power of God. And we talked about God's authority. We talked about His ability and His awareness. We concluded last week with verse 14, our response to all of those things. It says in verse 14, I will praise Thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Uh, there's nothing else you can do but just praise God for his goodness and his power and his might and his awareness in your life. Verse number 15 is where we'll start tonight. The psalmist David wrote, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Lord, would you speak to us and help us as we look at your word tonight? I pray that the Word of God, once again, would be uh, alive. I pray that it would be powerful. I pray that it would be practical. May we uh, not just be hearers of the Word, but may we be doers. And Lord, may we listen, and may we uh, long to hear from You, and may we long to be uh, drawn closer to You because of the preaching and teaching of Your Word tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Verse number 15, the psalmist David says, my substance. That's literally verse number 15. It's talking about your frame, your bones. Your substance was not hid from God even when you were created in the womb. Before, before uh, the human eye could even see your substance, your frame, God already saw uh, God saw what he was doing and God was aware of that which man did not even know. This word curiously in the verse is the word for skillful. Can I tell you, there's not a more skillful maker than God. God made you with the skill and precision. I talked to the children's choir a couple weeks ago about the human eye. I did not realize this until a couple weeks ago I was uh, preparing to teach them. But did you know in your eye, the optic nerve, that nerve has about a million fibers. And those one million fibers have to connect from your eye to your brain so that your eye can work properly. And God did every bit of that while you were in the womb. God put all of that together. You talk about skill, that's just the eye. 
We're not talking about the brain. We're not talking about the heart. We're not talking about the veins. And we're not talking about the lungs. And we're not talking about all that God did while you were in the womb. And God created you with his skill and with his precision and with his mastery. If God can do all of that before you're born, I think God can take care of you through life. If God is that concerned about you while you are in your mother's womb, just think about how much God is there for you and for me every day of our life as long as we live. Verse number 16, David says, Thine eyes, God's eyes, did see my substance, yet being unperfect. Now that doesn't mean that you were not created right. Uh, I'm thankful that God doesn't make junk God made you the way you are and you are perfect in God's sight as far as the creation. Now, our soul, we're all sinners, but God made you just the way he wanted you to be. Um, God made me the way he wanted me to be. Um, even, even when my feelings get hurt, even when the guest singer says I have a face for radio, <laughs> even, when, even when people before the service say, can we please... Can we please get the, the singers on the big screen because we can't see them when they're on this side? Folks, I preach from this side every service, every Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I've never once had anybody ask if I could be put on the big screen. Thanks a lot. I love you too. But you know, God... There's always, there's always got to be one. Now, I don't know who that guy is there, but he doesn't have any hair on the back of his head. I asked you to put me on. No, no. Oh, man, just don't, don't do the close-up. But, you know, God, God made me the way he wanted me to be. God made you the way he wanted you to be. And I'm glad that God did not make junk. God didn't make anybody ugly. God didn't make anybody that's not who he wants you to be. I'm so thankful for that. And uh, I'm thankful that God, he saw us, the Bible says, when we were unperfect. That word means unformed. It means that God saw us even before our, our substance came together, even before the bones were in place and even before the facial features were there and even before the, the fingers and the toes and the, the parts of your body were formed, even before that, God saw you and he knew exactly what you were going to be. As a matter of fact, it says in this passage that in thy book, all my members were written. God recorded every one of the members of your body, every one of the parts of your body. God recorded them. It says, which in continuance were fashioned. God kept track of the growth. God kept track of the development of every part of you. When as yet there was none of them. God knew you before you were ever formed. Before you were ever born, God knew you. Now think about this. God is the author of your life. And God knew what you were going to be before you ever existed. God knew everything about you. What an amazing author. What an amazing architect. You see, the best of the best architects, they make mistakes. I'm reminded, Brother Dan, we were in 
uh, college at the time and then shortly after college at our home church in, in Santa Clara, uh, they started to build a brand new auditorium. And that brand new auditorium, uh, Miss Grace, you were there and Brother Jake, you were there even in those days as that, uh, that, that building was, was going up and there was problem after problem after problem. One architect on the project, he died. One architect on that project, and this was a massive 3,000-seat auditorium that was being built. And in Santa Clara, California, you don't just put up buildings quickly. You've got to have permits for permits for permits. And um, there was a, a million dollars that was spent um, before the first shovel ever went in the ground just for all the reports and all the paperwork. It was, it was crazy. But the first architect died. I shouldn't say the first. One architect died. One architect was fired. Another architect quit. Another architect was reassigned. And during the course of that project, there was, there, there was 50 feet that was cut off of that auditorium and it, it, it got lost in the translation. So when that auditorium was finished in the balcony, because the auditorium was supposed to be back 50 feet additional and it was cut off, there were spots from in the balcony you couldn't see the pulpit. You couldn't see the platform after millions and millions and millions of dollars and somebody dropped the ball. Somebody got their wires crossed in the planning and the architectural work. I'm glad God's never gotten his wires crossed. I'm glad God's never made a mistake. I'm glad that God, the architect of your life and of your body and the, the plans that he has for you and your future, God is the architect and you can trust him. He fashioned you. He formed you. He plans you. He created you. And hallelujah for that. Verse 17. Not only did God create you, not only did God form you and fashion you and, and, and have a plan for you, but verse 17, this, this verse will blow your mind. It says in verse 17, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. David says, if I could count all of the thoughts that God thinks about me, it would be more in number than the sand of the sea. Now, hang on. This is not just David using his imagination. David is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. This is inspired by God Almighty. This is absolutely the truth. This is the case. And David says, God, if I could count the number of thoughts that you think about me, it would be more than the sand of the sea. Now, I'll tell you this. That's a lot of thoughts. That's how much God thinks about you. Now, we are so limited. You have a, 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 a spouse or you have children, you have family members that you love and you think about them all the time. You think about them uh, uh, every day and every hour and all that, but you don't think about your loved one as much as God thinks about you and as much as God thinks about me. And notice what it says about his thoughts. They're precious. They're loving. They're kind. They're compassionate. God thinks about us. You're valuable to God. You are important to God. What a mighty God and what a loving God that he would think about you and that he would think about me. Verse number 18, David says, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. And then notice the end of verse 18. 
David says this, when I awake, I'm still with thee. David says, and the good thing is, I'm not dreaming. The good thing is, this is reality. Have you ever had a dream? And uh, in your dream, I mean, it was, it was a wonderful dream. Maybe you, maybe you dreamed that your, your boss gave you like, you know, a huge raise or gave you like, you know, months of vacation time. Or maybe, maybe you dreamed that you were, you know, whatever, retiring early or whatever. And you wake up and you think, oh, that's not true. That ain't happening. That was a dream. Can I tell you all these things that David thought about God? He said, I'm not dreaming. It's real. God loves me. God cares about me. God thinks about me. God loves me. Verse number 19, David shifts gears. He says in verse 19, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. David says, hey, God loves me. God knows about me. God cares about me. God thinks about me. And David says, I don't want to be around people that hate God. I don't want to be around people that are the enemies of God. He says, get away from me, you wicked heathen. Verse 20, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? Am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I'll say this, as God's people sin ought to grieve us. And, and people that are wicked, and I'm not talking about people that make mistakes and people that don't know any better. I'm talking about people that willfully sin against God and willfully shake their fist at God and people that decide that they're going to oppose that which is good and godly. You and I, that ought to grieve us. That, that's not funny. It's not humorous, although Hollywood portrays it as such. It's not fun. It's not games. That is wicked in the sight of God. And David said, I don't want any part in that. It grieves me. It makes me miserable. Verse 22, David says, I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. And of course, we understand, we, we, we love the sinner, but we hate the sin. Uh, and that perfect hatred that David's talking about, that's not talking about uh, he's He's uh, hating because of what someone did to him, but he's, he's hating what people are doing to hurt a holy and a righteous and loving God. We all should be very careful who we allow to be our friends. We all also, we ought to say, verse 22, David says, I count them mine enemies. Now, you don't have to make enemies. That should not be your mission in life. Let's see who I can make mad at me today. Let's see who I can irritate today. Oh, no. But I'll tell you this. If you're going to live for God, you're going to stand for the truth and stand for what's right, not everybody's going to love you. Not everybody's going to vote for you for a person of the year. There's going to be some people that do not like you because of who you stand for. And may we stand for God and may we stand for right. And David said, those folks, hey, I'm not worried about what those people think about me. I understand they're my enemies. But he said, I don't want to be on that side anyway. I want to be on God's side. I want to be on the side of righteousness and holiness and godliness. And he makes that very clear in verses 23 and 24. Because David prays a prayer to God that I'm going to ask you, to pray, I would, I would hope you'll pray this and be honest with God during the invitation tonight. 
Maybe you need to pray this prayer tonight before you go to bed. Maybe it'll be later this week. But this is not a, a flippant prayer. This is not a casual prayer. This is a serious, heart-searching prayer that David prays. Notice what he prays in verse 23. Search me. That word search, it means to examine. It means to investigate. Now, you don't ask God to search you until you've already searched yourself. Until you've already done all you know to do. And you say, God, as far as I know, I'm right with you. God, as far as I know, there's no wickedness in my life. There's no wickedness in my heart. There's no wickedness in my thoughts. As far as I know, God, everything is right with you. And I have looked the best I can look. And I've examined the best I can examine. But now, God, I'm asking you to examine. And when you ask God to examine something, God does a thorough job. God doesn't miss things. God doesn't overlook things. God searches the heart. And that's what David says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. The word try, it literally means to test, to put to the test. You say, I love God. Well, God's going to put it to the test. You say, well, I want to serve God. God's going to put you to the test. You say, I want to be faithful to God. God's going to put that to the test. He'll find out if you're serious about it or not. David says, Lord, I, I want to be serious, and I'm trying to be serious, and I want you to try me. I want you to test me, and I want you to know my thoughts. Wow. It's amazing how we can clean up the outside, but on the inside, there's a whole world that nobody else sees. It's in your thoughts. It's when you're by yourself. It's when you're alone. It's when you truly have nobody that's watching or nobody that's, uh, that's peering into that part of your life and you truly, you find out if you truly love God or if you are still controlled by the flesh. David says, Lord, I want you to try me. I want you to know my thoughts. And then he says in verse 24, and see if there be any, even just one, even just something small, if there be any wicked way in me, he says, God, I want to know about it. And I don't want it to be there. And God, I don't want to live with wickedness in my heart. And God, I don't want to live with sin in my life. And God, I don't want to live with sin that's been unconfessed and sin that's not been dealt with. And I don't want to live with a guilty conscience. And I don't want to live with regrets. And I don't want to live with, uh, with the shame. And God, I don't want to live apart from you. God, I need you to come in and I need you to do a thorough examination. I tell you, when you're ready for that test and you pray that prayer, God will show you. And He will bring to your mind something in your life that needs to be changed. Now, God already knows. But David says, Lord, I know you know, but I want you to show me so I can change it. And that's where the rubber meets the road because most people don't really want to know 
what God would want changed. And most people are not willing to make that change because sin takes root. And sin lodges itself in our heart and in our thoughts, and sometimes it's painful. It's painful to admit that there's a problem. It's painful to admit that your relationships are not right. It's painful to admit that there's some thoughts or there are some desires in your life that are not pleasing to God. And David says, I want you to do a thorough, complete investigation of my life, and I want you to show me what needs to change. And Lord, verse 24, David says, and if there be any wicked way in me, would you please lead me? I'll follow, David says, but would you please lead me in the right way, in the way everlasting? My challenge tonight is very simple, but I'd like for you to pray, and this is between you and the Lord, of course. I wouldn't come and twist your arm, and I certainly wouldn't say repeat after me. But here's what I am asking you, and I'm challenging you with tonight. Would you pray this prayer? It's threefold. Number one, would you pray, Lord, search me. Lord, investigate my life. I want my life to be right. You say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that sin destroys. And if you don't deal with it, that sin's going to destroy it. It won't just be you. It could be relationships, could be marriages, could be homes, could be your testimony. It could be future. There's no telling. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The wages of sin is death. Sin always has consequences. So that's why we're saying, God, search me. But then secondly, would you pray this? Say, God, would you please try me? God, would you please prove me? Would you please put me through the test? You say, why would we want to be put through a test? Because that's when you really know the truth. You can, you can study for an exam all day long. And you can say, I know it, I'm ready. But you don't know it. And you're not sure you're ready until you take the test. And the test reveals if you're ready. David says, try me. And then here's the last thing. Would you pray, Lord, lead me. Show me what needs to change and then help me to change it. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.